Broadcasting from Denver, Colorado, and speaking with people across the globe, you're listening to the Joyful Living podcast series. I am your host, Greg Gonzalez, founder of Joyful Living LLC, whose mission is to show how conscious connection is the key to lasting and permanent joy. This new season brings a focus to the This Is Me guided vocal journaling program. We have assembled a wide variety of interviews from all corners of the world to share in their experiences of this unique but powerful practice of mindfulness and self-care. Listen as my participants share their personal and heartfelt stories of joy, happiness, love, and peace, as well as discussing the power of journaling. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy. Hello and welcome to the Joyful Living Podcast Series. I'm your host, Greg, and I am so happy to be joined today by my good friend, Liana. Uh, Would you mind giving us a quick introduction, uh, where you're from, what you do? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Hi, Greg with two Gs. Um, (laughs) I am a Canadian currently transplanted in Dubai, and I've also lived in other countries around the world. Switzerland, I've lived in two, three African countries, so I like to call home many places in the world. And I am currently in Dubai bringing emotional intelligence to the Middle East and helping organizations at an individual team and at a full organizational level reach higher performance through their people by helping people understand and develop and uh, use their emotional intelligence skills. Well, I have had the luxury of kind of stalking you and your work just looks absolutely fantastic and amazing and um, a big reason why I was drawn to you but also the fact that you're just halfway around the world right now and I love that you've been so flexible with the time difference and everything so I thank you so much for making time to do this today. Um, You need some heat it's 43 celsius plus a humidity factor so I'm happy to send some your way if you need warming up. We're actually kind of good right now it feels a little bit like fall outside and a little drizzly so i'm very happy with what we've got right now but but appreciate it i'll, I'll let you know if we need a little bit of heat maybe a little bit later but uh um i have a question for you Shoot. do you do you currently or have you ever utilized journaling as a practice yes i have I currently do not journal as much as I'm recently feeling the need to. And when I say need, I mean because of the benefit I get from it. So it's been a hit and miss for me, but I know when I do it, it brings me such benefit. Can you talk about some of the benefits? What, what is it that you, when you do do it, what is it that you enjoy? I enjoy having... I guess what we would call in the world of emotional intelligence and human behavior, the psychological safety, knowing that I have this place where I can say absolutely anything in any language, not only um, cuss language or literally other languages that I speak and some which people can recognize and sometimes not, uh, <laughs> but it's, it's, a, it's a place to just let it go. Right. And when that happens, what what I find really, really, oh, I could use a lot of words, fascinating, insightful, eye-opening, beneficial, educational, you can fill in the blanks with a, a million other words, is it really helps me recognize patterns 
recognize patterns in my thought and in my language. And those are the two quickest access to priming our brain for if it feels threatened or not. And, and then, and therefore helping our brain decide which pattern of behavior it's going to spit us out onto. So when I look back at my writings, I go, wow, look at my language. And then I, I really have the ability to see the story that I'm telling and sometimes perpetuating that is not helpful. And I can actually look at the pieces that are helpful. And then I can really ask myself that hard question. Is this really true? How much mm -hmm. of this is really true? So that's the benefit I think I get from journaling. Awesome. Do you ever find finding something to write about being a challenge? Because I know from some people I speak with, they're like, I don't even know what to write. My look at a blank page. And it's like, how do I even possibly think about filling this? Is that something that when you're doing it, that it becomes an obstacle? Or <clears throat> do you find that's an easy process to just take it from, from consciousness to page pretty simply? Wow, that's a really good question. I'm used to you asking good questions. I, I would say yes and no to some of the things that you said in there. I think some days are, and sometimes are certainly easier to just, you know, I can barely get the pen to paper fast enough before the words are already tumbling out. And I, when I look back, sometimes I realize when the words are missing, it's because my brain was going faster than my hand could. And sometimes, and that's when I know I journal more often. And then sometimes, yeah, you look at the page and you go, hmm, what, you know, brilliant thing should I try to, 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 you know, reflect on today? But sometimes that's not the, the benefit of journaling. Sometimes the benefit is just literally being creative, having fun, being silly, telling you, writing a, lyrics to what might become a song or a poem. And, and even that is very telling. It's, mm -hmm. it's maybe that's what you need in that moment is just to have that freedom and that space. I think when we judge ourselves, which we're very good at as human beings, when we judge ourselves that if we're going to journal, we should only be writing something that's really, you know, huge and significant and always super insightful. And it's like, no, it's, it's whatever. It could be, it could be remembering your favorite moment with your grandparent from, you know, 40 years ago. It could be, it could be writing down a joke that someone told you or a, a term that someone used in a conversation that you found really interesting and just capturing it so that you can think about it again later. Right. <clears throat> I think with what's going on right now in the world with just so much uncertainty and people being challenged in so many different ways that I think about this exercise as being something that helps to declutter and mm -hmm. to kind of be a filter for all of the, the ongoing voices, the ongoing emotions and feelings that we're dealing with daily. So I think of journaling for myself as, a, as, a, as an outlet, as a way to release some of that tension, to at least be a place to, again, privately capture your feelings and emotions without having to worry about it being broadcast and shared. But I do or find, what, what was that? Or censored or, or evaluated. Or censored, exactly. <laughs> I think for, for, for the purpose of what I'm trying to do with the This Is Me guided vocal journaling is to provide that outlet for people, but also do it in a sense of connection. Because mm -hmm. I think that for some people, you can ask them a question that could be bringing up a, a positive emotion with a grandparent, like you mentioned. But that might be, not, that might be something that 
it's, it's always there in the back of our minds, but we don't bring it to the forefront until that question is asked. And so what I'm trying to do with this is to help kind of open doors for people to say, hey, here's an aspect of your life that I know is there. I know you keep it um, inside you. Let's pull this out and, and re-examine this and, and bring that feeling back. And what I love is just seeing how people literally transform mm -hmm. in the midst of doing these recordings where just asking simple questions is, um, is therapeutic. It, it helps them declutter in the midst of being in conversation and dialogue with someone while we're capturing it in a very meaningful way through the recordings and then giving you the transcripts of your answers. So it's like you're, you're speaking, your voice is doing the writing for you instead of putting pen to paper, which is very impactful. This kind of accelerates the process, but I think you get a little bit more color and, and vividness in people's stories when, when they're sharing openly without having to, to self edit. Um, so that's something I'd like to do a little sampling with you today, if you'd like. Can I just make a comment? Um, sure. <laughs> I generally have something to say. <laughs> I, I, I look forward to your comments, please. <laughs> I love, um, I love that concept of, you know, being able to just say without even having to put the pen to the paper, right? So having the vocal journal. And I think, I think what's, what's really interesting and, and important for us to, to kind of ask ourselves is, you know, why is it important for me to, to say what I'm going to say? Why is it important for me to explore what, you know, what, what benefit can it give me? What else can I learn? Sure. But really to think about that, not, not to have it be inauthentic or not organic as a result, right? But maybe you ask yourself after you've done it a few times, and then you say, okay, what's important to me in here? But I, I know that one of our really critical accesses to understanding ourselves and our world and our life and the stories we do tell ourselves is our emotional literacy. And if we don't have language for how we're feeling, and how it impacts us, it, it's like being deaf. We, we, you know, there's just so much we can't hear. And I don't know if you've ever walked around for a day with you know, noise canceling headphones on, but it's really lonely and it's scary mm -hmm. and it's uncertain. And we know that uncertainty breeds fear and, and you know, all those other things, but putting, giving yourself emotional literacy, any other kind of literacy, you know, your, your own understanding, your own patterns of behavior literacy, giving yourself that, that literacy about yourself is, I think, such a gift because it really, it answers your questions. To your point, it's, it's all in there. Mm -hmm. it's, mm -hmm. it's getting it out and then going, oh, wow, that's what I was saying. That's what I'm thinking. And then being able to kind of sift that out and look at the colors and the textures and see what's attached to it. And yeah, so I, I just think emotional literacy is, is our access to everything else yeah. that we're curious about. Yeah. I also love the feedback I get post recording for some people is, is that certain questions will stay with them for a while. Mm. And um, they'll say, it's taken me a few days to even not so much come up with the answer, but to understand where that answer came from. Mm -hmm. And so I think that it does, it, it opens up certain avenues of thought that some people, again, they have them inside them, but bringing it to the surface, they can look at it with fresh eyes and with a fresh perspective um, to change mindset, to become more positive, to be more forward thinking, to have more resilience. And, and I think that 
that's so much of what this is, is that this is um, like journaling, like all, all of the benefits you said. It's, it's meant to be a practice of self-care. Mm -hmm. I see it as a practice of mindfulness where you're taking time and presence and conscious mind to, um, to answer fully. I'm adding the element of connection, of having yeah. a conversation with someone about your answers that I think adds another component of um, not just the detail and color that I mentioned, but I think that when you feel like you're being listened to and mm -hmm. cared for in that way, and you feel that that space is created to speak openly and freely, that's when I think true awakening and true uh, discovery comes because sometimes a question that I ask you will become uh, is, is unexpected and you sometimes shock yourself. Mm -hmm. And those are the questions I find that linger with people. So um, somebody asked totally me a, with you. someone asked me a question when I was in a, in a rather um, tough emotional time in my life. And it was about nine years ago and it was just the simplest, most elegant question. And it was short and sweet. And like, as you were saying, it has stuck with me ever since. And I use it in my coaching practice. I use it with my clients. I use it with my friends, my children. And it was just so powerful. I won't say it in case you ask me. Um, I was but just going to say. I can tell you question? later. I okay. can tell you later if you want. But I don't want, to, I don't want to interfere with what we're doing. But I'm happy to share it with you after. <laughs> I would love it. I would love it. Um, shall we do a little sampling of some sure. uh, lightning round questions? We were going to do a theme, but I think we're going to try something a little different and just go, uh, just kind of shoot from the hip and, and see what comes about from, from some random questions for you. Pretty much how I live my life. Yep. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Let's start with question one. What is your idea of perfect happiness? I don't think anything is perfect until you love it. So... I don't have a perfect, uh, as in the quote unquote dictionary textbook, perfect, but um, blissful happiness, um, you know, the happiness that I want is when I feel accepted and loved by myself and by others, when I'm in the places that bring me energy and um, feed my curiosity and help me learn and grow, and that I can also share that, and that I'm with the people that inspire and encourage that in me as well. So it could be anywhere in any place and any time with any variety of people, some of whom I probably haven't even met yet in my life, but it, it comes, it come, it's a, it's a feeling. It's a, it comes from an energy from within me that's met from, uh, by my environment. Mm. Good answer. I don't know if that made any sense, but it made, it made perfect. perfect. In my head. <laughs> it made perfect sense. Thank you. What trait do you most like about yourself and why? Oh, well, you know, if you'd asked me that question a few years ago, I would have been very embarrassed to say. Um, but now I can say with owning it, I actually have a few that I really like about myself. But um, it's a toss up between my capacity to love and my curiosity. And sometimes I think they go hand in hand. But um, I, let's say my my curiosity because it keeps me very open-minded it supports my value of of learning and sharing and growing and it keeps me going to really fun and crazy and wild places in the world and meeting really amazing people and um 
as I said to you before, right? I, I want to happen to my life. I don't want my life to happen to me. And, and feeding my curiosity helps me stay on track with that. And I would, I would feel really disappointed if I, in myself, if I didn't feed my curiosity. And I know that the best people for me to have around me are the people who also love that I'm curious and aren't bothered by it. I'm going to piggyback off that. This isn't one of my questions, but of all the places you've visited, which stands out the most as being the most personally impactful for you and why? Oh, if you had to pick one. I would say spending the evening in the slums of Nairobi in Kenya and literally sleeping in a tiny little corrugated plastic paper hut with a light bulb and a quote unquote bed that was made out of layered clothing with no pillow and no sheets with a little small gas canister and having been invited for dinner to my, my new friend that I met and he cooked a three course meal on this little tiny canister. And I knew he liked beer and I brought some beer. And then of course it occurred to me two hours into the journey from downtown Nairobi out to the slums that he wasn't going to have electricity to keep the beer cold. So, um, but it didn't matter. And it was, it was the most humbling and, and insightful and informed and, and blissful and magical 24 hours. And I will never forget it. And for a variety of reasons, but one that comes to mind is perspective. It's just, you know, um, there's, there's just a lot of perspective to keep in mind when you um, realize that people like, live like that every single day. Makes you realize how people in the world who have so little can still live so joyfully and enjoy life and take it all in stride. And Absolutely. I've lived in beautiful cities in Switzerland. I've lived in, you know, I've lived in countries have of incredible wealth, including my own country, Canada. But it, it's those moments when you realize what really matters to people is how they connect and how they can feel seen and heard and how they can be celebrated. And it was, it was, and Kenya is beautiful. It's one of my favorite countries. Absolutely stunning. Nairobi has some challenges, but it was, um, yeah, it was something I'll never forget. Mm. Yeah. Great story. What do you value most in your friends? Real. And, and, you know, real can be anything. Real emotions, real dialogue, real feelings, real conversation, real feedback, real love, real engagement, real disengagement. I mean, there's a reason if my friends disengage with me and that's, it's a combination of what's going on for them. And then obviously something that I'm doing. So that's an opportunity for me to keep my curiosity going and, you know, continue to learn and, and do better to commit to having really meaningful and loving connections in my life. Cause that's really super, super, super important to me. So I, I, yeah, I fuss and circumstance and stuff and pomp, I mean, on occasion it's nice and, and there are certain ceremonies that are just really lovely. But at the end of the day, that's not what's gonna, 
save me from feeling like I'm about to go over a cliff, right? right. <laughs> With some situation in my life, it's, it's that I can go somewhere and just feel like I can be exactly just come as I am and there are going to be some arms and ears uh, open for me and that I can do the same. So I like real, real is really cool. Real mm -hmm. is so cool. It's, it, I think it's one of the reasons why I love the arts so much and photography and music are my two favorite art forms. And there's just something that can be so raw and beautifully raw and disturbingly raw about both of those mediums. And, um, yeah, it keeps my curiosity going, that's for sure. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So to piggyback on that one a little bit, um, you seem to me a very inspired person. Can you tell me what inspires you or who inspires you? And <laughs> how do they do that? Is that a trick question? <laughs> it is a trick question. <laughs> um, well, you Where does know, your inspiration I come from? Yeah, I'm really humbled by that observation because I, I am, um, I do get very inspired by people, all kinds of people from all walks of life going through all kinds of situations. And in the work that I do, I see a lot, a variety of that. And certainly in travel, in Vietnam, in, you know, places in Europe that are far more first world country here in the Middle East, where you can go from poverty to complete opulence that you can't even imagine. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, the um, inspiration comes from really lots of different things. Sometimes it's nature, sometimes it's music, but I do have um, a very core source of inspiration and that is my sister, Janet, and uh, Janie, as we called her. And unfortunately, after a six year battle with cancer, she lost her battle when she had just about a month after she turned 31 years old. And it was 30 years ago this June. And the, I was young, I was 19 when she was diagnosed. I was 25 and two weeks married when she passed away. And I didn't understand the magnitude of the gift that she'd given me at the time until time started passing um, from the time she passed away onward. And boy, oh boy, when I think of the grace and the dignity and the courage and the strength that it took for her to face those six years and her own mortality. I, I can't but not be inspired. I mean, it, there are times when the sadness is still a little overwhelming and, and it's, e it's almost in equal measures in there, but that inspiration and, and to honor those qualities in her um, is, is how I use her inspiration to do best, the best that I can do in my job, in, in my life, I, my job in terms of running my life. And yeah, so I think about her and, and I'm really inspired by her and I'm really um, in awe of her. And I tell her that still, I think she can hear me somewhere up there, <laughs> but without question. Um, and so she inspires me in her own self and then the inspiration is to do the best that I can do in whatever I, it is I'm choosing to do, whether it's the people I choose to have in my life, how I give myself in, in service in the work that I do professionally or in my community. And I think, um, I think when, when we feel inspired, there's a different energy about us. We show up differently and it opens up all kinds of other opportunities, right? So there's lots of things that can inspire us. And sometimes I, it's, a, it's a small child 
you know, trying to figure something out or bouncing back up after what should have been like some horrendous fall. And I, and I just go, wow, kid, you're amazing. Like that is so, and it's a reminder. I think anything that inspires me is a reminder of how to do stuff great. Mm. Yeah. That's a really good line. <laughs> how did it's so eloquent how to do stuff great <laughs> <laughs> no it, it honestly it makes me think of one of my favorite quotes you made me immediately think about mother Teresa, who said we can't always do great things but we can do small things with great love yeah exactly it, you just you made know, me think about that i feel that way about um right now in the world with COVID as an example COVID 19 mm -hmm. and you know the the overwhelming at first when we went into lockdown it was kind of like oh okay wow this is this is a bit of a monkey wrench but this is kind of fun we'll you know we'll lay low for two weeks and everybody will have some time to spend at home and re, you know rejuvenate and everybody do what they should do to help this and then you know we can collectively kind of move on well five months later right we're still trying to figure it out and it it was just it began it became very overwhelming to start listening to everybody talking about you know, the conspiracy theories and then the this and the, the trends and the how many deaths and then it was starting to hit people that we knew, right? Their friends or family. And in that moment, I thought, what, what can I do? Like my optimism is always on high alert and balanced with realism. It's like, well, I can't solve COVID-19 exactly. And we are in full on martial law lockdown here in Dubai. At, we were at the time. So I thought, okay, but what can I do? And showing up to serve my clients and my community by offering, you know, the, the work that I do as my compliment to help us all connect and, and kind of find a place where we can talk about resilience and we can talk about, you know, how we're feeling and, and practice our emotional literacy and come together. And, 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 and that made me feel hopeful. It made me feel like there was something that I could do when the rest of the world was melting down. I couldn't do anything about it. It never once took away the pain and the discomfort of thinking about all those people dying and some of them alone and their families not being able to be with them and people having their first child without their partner being able to be there. I mean, and those are luxuries, but we celebrate those luxuries. And um, it, it doesn't erase that, but it helps to mitigate it so that I could feel at least somewhat powerful to do something where otherwise I would have felt completely powerless. So I think that for me, that's a, kind of a version of what Mother Teresa said. Totally, totally. Yeah. Let's do a few more here. Um, <clears throat> I'm curious about this one. This is a bit of a two-part question. <laughs> How do you nurture yourself? Oh man, that is a good question. I will tell you, there are times when I don't do it enough and I don't do it well enough and I know that. So when I do nurture myself well, I'm, I'm playing sport and I'm giving myself the physical challenges that I love. I've been athletic my whole life and I love, love, I've competed in all kinds of sports, some more competitively, some just for the absolute weekend warrior fun of it. So that's, that's part of, that's me nurturing myself when I'm, when I'm pushing myself and having a great sweat and playing those games. And I used to compete in triathlon. So while that, is an individual sport on the one hand and, and and there's three opportunities to kind of push yourself within the race the community of people was fantastic because you get used to seeing the, the women in your age group and the, in the other age groups and then the big joke or the big celebration when you 
when you go up an age category, right? Mm -hmm. We had like a little ceremony for that, but it, it, the sport is not only the physical, but it's the emotional and spiritual. And um, certainly that sense of community. When I'm in sport, I'm also eating better and sleeping better because I have to make those two a priority or else I can't push myself for five hours out on a bike and swimming and running. So that's one way for sure. Another way I realize, and I'm so much better at it now than I used to be as a younger person, is through my language. Huge. I mean, our language is the first thing our brain is paying attention to, right? Our brain's getting hit by gazillions of stimulus all the time, 2 billion bits of information a second. But the number one thing is it's listening to is your own language. And it's trying to determine if that's a threat for the brain, for, for your brain. And that's what our brain's designed to do. So we, we call it priming the pump. By the language that we use, we're setting our brain up to, to feel that it's being threatened or not. And I just don't need to do that to myself. There's a, enough crap going on out there that can threaten me and, and my sense of psychological safety and belonging and you know worthiness. I don't need to do it myself. So I've really, really changed my language about how I, in my internal dialogue and my external dialogue. And, um, you know, I think the, the other thing is, is being, staying connected to the people that, um, that not only fill me up, but also remembering to include people who might need some filling up themselves or somebody new because it, 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 it gives me that opportunity to stay curious and, and being curious is actually one of the ways that I can nurture myself. So those are the things that come to mind for me right away. Out of the triathlon, what's your favorite event? What do you excel at the most? Biking, swimming, or running? Yeah, that's funny. Um, you know, <laughs> until I was in my, until I was about 32, I avoided running like the plague. High school, I had every excuse in gym why I couldn't participate in that gym class when we had to go running. And then it turns out I was really good at it. Like, like really good at it. And I loved it, which is weird. I don't run anymore because I just, I think um, I should keep my body preserved before, you know, it falls apart. I, I, the, the, the biking is still something I do. And I love being on my bike. It's, you know, just- That would have been my, my pick. You strike yeah. me as a biker. Yeah, my my quads. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe like, it's picturing the helmet on your head or something. I don't know. With the glasses, you know, kind of hunched over. <clears throat> Total tour de France. You know, in the in the middle of you know your quads screaming and your lungs feeling like they're gonna blow up, I I can have the most clarity in my mind. So I do love the biking. I used to enjoy the running. I don't run anymore. And um, swimming is something I always enjoy doing, but I don't do it competitively anymore. I just do it for fun. So I yeah. would say biking, biking has the, the most longevity for me. Points and for it's, me. It's something I want to do like until I literally physically can't do it anymore because oh, you sure. can in so many countries around the world and Europe, especially, you know, as, as a, bikes are their vehicle of choice it's like a main source of transportation yeah, yeah. and and in some of the southeast asian countries when it's not six thousand degrees out um but it is something that you can do for a long time and even hey i'll get a, i'll get a big adult sized tricycle when the time comes i'm i'm okay with that as long as i can keep moving <laughs> and, and and you need to get the tassels on the sides of the handlebars with the and little the bell yeah, yes, and the banana, and the banana seed, seed, yeah. basket, woven basket with the, with the daisy flowers 
I think we might have to start a GoFundMe site just to uh, get that going for you. The adult size tricycle. It has to be purple. Purple, done. Yeah. yeah. All right, part two of the same question. So you talked about how you nurture yourself. How do you nurture others? I had, I think one of my most significant mother moments as well as human moments not too long ago when my 26 year old daughter said to me you know mom i'm so grateful for you as my mom and i'm like those anything that starts with that i immediately get all like tingly and like oh my god no i'm, I'm you made being your mother so easy you know I'm, <laughs> I'm the lucky one and she said the thing i love about you the most one of the things i love about you the most is she said you never told me what to do you always let me figure it out. You were always there to, to talk to me about it and ask me the questions and sometimes tough love if that's what I needed. She said, but you never told me what to do. But you listened to me and you were there for me. And I, and I think that's nurturing. I think uh, people don't need me to tell them what to do. Like even in, even in my professional work, I feel so honored that I can live my life's purpose and passion through my, my professional work as well. But even as a coach and as a facilitator of people modifying their behaviors and, and, and getting in touch with their emotional intelligence to use it to their advantage for, for greater outcomes, I don't tell people what to do. I help them find their way. And I think that's a big nurturing. And, and I think one of the key things within that is, is listening. And I, I have a very intuitive sense about people. And I, I literally get like energy burns in my, like I get like, Literally, when people get within about 10 feet of me, I get an energy burn and it goes one way or another. And um, I think honoring that and being curious with that and using that as my guide is, is how I can nurture people. That's the very first thing that comes to mind. There's, there's lots of other ways too, but that's, that's the one thing um, that's meaningful to me about how to nurture other people. Good. At the end of the day, Greg, don't we all just want to feel heard and understood? Absolutely. Right. And, mm -hmm. and if, if I can help facilitate that and, and create that connection, I'm, my job is done. I like, yeah. right. Yeah. You mentioned the word meaningful. And uh, so this, I'll have one more question after this one, but what does a meaningful day look like for you? Hmm. It can be very, it, it content can be very different, but in terms of kind of overall picture is, when I feel that what I'm doing is serving my purpose in, in it, sometimes it's a smaller grain of sand. Sometimes it's the bigger moment. Uh, a meaningful day is when I am aligned to serving my purpose because it's, it's what keeps my inspiration going. It's what keeps my energy going. It's what keeps my mental and physical and emotional and intellectual and spiritual health going. And um, it's different people, it's different places often and it's doing different things but it's doing something and and on the odd occasion going back to the nurture question if it's lying on the on the couch and reading a you know something that isn't work related um or you know scouring through internet looking for you know who's had a baby most recently because i feel like i haven't kept up on stuff um that's okay too because what that's telling me is I'm doing something that my body or mind needs and that's getting me ready to do my next big thing. So that's meaningful to me too. But I think it's just really whatever I'm doing, 
it's aligning to my purpose and my purpose is to help create opportunities for greatness. So that's other people's greatness as well as my own. And I may never be there for that moment when they feel like they've, you know, really exploded into their greatness. And I may, and I don't, I don't need to be there to see it. It's, it's delightful. And it's, it's, it's a really humbling experience when you are there, when I am there to see it, but it's, it's enough to know that however I interacted with them, I did it in a way that I can live with. And if that somehow leads to a series of other events that helps them, great. That's meaningful to me. Perfect. <clears throat> okay, you ready for the last question? Yeah. All right, I'd like you to close your eyes. Hmm. I'd like you to take a few deep breaths. Thinking about where you are right now, today, in this moment, tell me the first three things that you are the most grateful for. My children, my opportunities, and my, um, when I say people, I mean the people in my life that not only love and support me, but that are also currently challenging me. Because that's my call to, to make sure that I'm stepping up and that I, it's, it's always my opportunity to really test myself to see if, if I'm full of crap about what I say I am and what I believe in or if I'm actually doing it. So I'm grateful for those. I'm grateful for my children. They bring me so much joy and so much love and so much um, just uh, awesomeness. And when I say opportunities, I mean, because I know I'm in a privileged place, not only physically in the world, but in the relative perspective of what's going on in the world. And I'm educated. I come from Canada. You know, I'm, I'm young enough to still, um, know how to do better and get a chance to try it again. And I can still, I don't have to ask permission anymore. <laughs> I can just go and do stuff. So I, I realized that, um, yeah, I, it's an opportunity and I'm really grateful for that. Beautiful. Well, that concludes our questions. Um, I would love to. <laughs> this is Carol Burnett, you know, that <laughs> I do know the time we have to say so long. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> pulling on the earlobe. Um, I would love to just get, uh, you know, you don't need to indulge me, but just in terms of what this is, in terms of having the questions presented to you, just as if, say, you were to see them on a blank page. Um, do you think this would be useful for people? Do you think this is something that would be helpful for people to um, help not only just declutter the mind like we talk about, but just be more of kind of a recentering and a refocusing on themselves uh, of an exercise of, of guided vocal journaling. Because I'm, th this is relatively new. <clears throat> I've been doing this pretty much since COVID started, but I'm like you, I'm just curious about people and I love to hear people's stories. And I feel like by asking the right question at any time, you get such an amazing story out of people that can come so unexpectedly. But uh, what are your thoughts? What did you think about this? I, I, I don't have to give it another thought. Um, yes, I think it's extremely beneficial. And, and even, you know, even someone who does this as a profession, as, as I'm sitting here now as a person, not you know, a facilitator, I'm like, wow, whew, 
that was really powerful. I didn't realize I was thinking that or wow, look at that concept that I just put together in my head because you know, we're talking to ourselves all the time anyway. Why not say it out loud so that we can hear it again? And it, it's a different dimension than writing. Writing is very important and there's a huge benefit to that as we talked about earlier. Sure, sure. The, 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 the listening, I, here's, here's the best way I can describe the impact I think it has. I have a client group that I just started working with about eight months before COVID hit. And naturally everybody's in lockdown. So the conferencing technology here in Dubai, in the, in the United Arab Emirates was blocked. So the government had to release Zoom and WebEx as a form of communication because we, we weren't allowed to use it prior. So all of a sudden it's, it's all we have. And this one client, they're a, a younger startup and we're right in the middle of all kinds of transformative things. So we went to daily management meeting calls, same time every day, an hour, sometimes there were two, even two and a half. Nobody turned on their camera, but everybody was on the call. And the most fascinating thing for me was what else I learned when I couldn't see them and I only had their voices to listen to. And I picked up all kinds of different nuances. Naturally, when you see them, you can, and, and there's a value to seeing people, don't get me wrong, right? Totally, the, totally. The, the whole vibe, the energy, the subtle shifts in, in, the, in the body language, the eye movement, et cetera. But when, when the voice was the only thing to focus on, it was remarkable to me how much more texture and, and personality and energy I picked up. It also gave me, and this might just be the way I learned, so I'm that, you know, I'll just offer it up as a maybe. It helped me focus on different things at different times in the meeting as well. So I actually found it really, and I shared that with the CEO and, and the rest of the C-suite after. I was like, that was really fascinating experience. So I, I think for us looking at our own, you know, listening to our own voice back, we're talking to ourselves anyway. Wouldn't it be really helpful to actually hear it out loud when it's no longer in your own head and you're judging it and, and you're probably therefore doing the same loop because it's familiar and your brain likes the familiarity. So even if you might not like what you're saying, your brain doesn't care. It's going to plug in the answers that it knows anyway because it's like, oh, right, right. That's my story. When you hear it out loud, you might see that little place where you can poke a hole in it and you can see that maybe some of it actually isn't true or where your next opportunity is and where your kind of insertion point is to, to start thinking about and looking at things differently. So I think it's extremely, extremely useful. We listen to other people. We listen to podcasts. We listen to concerts. We listen to masterclass, you know, the very popular masterclass mm -hmm, series, mm -hmm. of, you know, Steven Spielberg talking about how to write a screenplay and how to direct. Well, why wouldn't we listen to ourselves? Yeah, I think it's super, super powerful and super useful. If you're interested in and willing to examine. Yeah. Well, I might take it a step further. So imagine not only hearing your voice and listening to it, but imagine that I took everything that you said and had it transcribed mm. and had it put on paper. And then I hand it back to you with pages and pages of everything you just got done answering. <clears throat> to go back and reflect upon these simple questions, but to see how rich and detailed and um, expressive your answers were as another mode of self 
exploratory work that you can see what you created. Because very similar, like you said, putting pen to paper or putting your fingers on a keyboard, you could answer these questions very openly, and I'm sure you would. But I think that seeing your words from a recording of when you're just speaking openly in this forum and then looking back and seeing what you've created, I just know from talking to other clients where they <laughs> literally are like, I can't believe I said half of this. And it just yeah. flows. And the energy that jumps off the page is just similar to what I'm experiencing watching you and hearing your voice and, and, and seeing the video. So I like adding the component of doing the transcriptions with the recordings, because I think that it's one thing to hear your voice. I think it's another thing to then go back and look at the pages you've created. And that's where, again, we can build on that. We can create um, volumes of vocal journaling pages that you've created that in some cases people have, are building into a memoir, they're building into a book. Mm -hmm. um, I have a gal working on a screenplay and it mm -hmm. literally has just come through uh, expressing themselves through, through their voice. So that's another piece of this that I feel has been extremely useful and very eye-opening in terms of yeah. telling For the story. Sure. For sure. And I think having the two, because they can look and sound different. When we read mm -hmm. the words, we're still using that voice that we're familiar with. When we're hearing ourselves, it might not sound so familiar and the words might take on a different kind of meaning. The other thing that just came to mind as I heard you, as I was listening to you, and it, it's, I guess, in the context of, I'm doing a program in applied neuroscience at the moment. And one of the things that really fascinated me about one of the modules was this notion of certainly how we create our own self-identity. And part of that is the stories that we tell ourselves, but part of it is what, what self-orientation do we have? Do we have future or do we have current or past? And I think what is really useful is when people, for instance, can, can de determine or, or see a pattern through the vocal and through the supported written dialogue, we, part of the reason that we get stuck and we don't know what else to do and we feel like we're you know, experiencing Groundhog Day is we often have this vision we, we can see this future self really clearly, but we just, don't, we just don't see our current self and therefore we don't know how to get there or it's vice versa. We see this current self that we create a story around and therefore we don't see a future self and therefore we can't get out of it. And, and I think it's, it just really came to illustration for me that I think one of the big values of, of our storytelling verbally and in the written word is how connected are we to where we are right now? Mm -hmm. And if, are we living in our past self? Are we living in our future self? Are we living primarily in our current self? And I, it, it has to be a blend of all three, but, but not necessarily a third, a third, and a third, right? Um, and maybe for some people that is the right balance. I, I, I can't say, and I can't judge that, but that would be an extremely valuable insight um, from the work that you're doing. Yeah. Well, I, I appreciate that. And um, I have to say selfishly, I was so looking forward to doing this with you because of the work that you do, not only because of the insight that you have with connecting with people and helping um, in the scope of work that you do, but also just you have such an amazing story. And I think that in the short time we've known each other, your um, 
you're an inspiring person for me. Oh, so I think that, that yeah. any, any feedback that you have as far as this work, anything that has to do with um, just helping people. I don't know. I think, I, I think of this as, as it, it's like self-exploratory work. It's, it's digging deep. It's, it's bringing out, um, I kind of think of this almost as like spiritual archaeology where mm -hmm. using a question to bring about an answer that is um, in a lot of cases, it's like unpolished gold. And then you mm -hmm. sit, you spend time to sit and kind of talk about it and analyze it and think about it. And uh, that's where I feel like, again, for some people, they don't realize that they have the answers inside them. Yeah. And uh, as much mm -hmm. as we're looking for answers, so much of it is just when you stop and reflect on yourself, it's amazing what comes out. So. And I think, I think what you're doing is super important. And I think one of the really significant pieces is that grounding because that's where we when 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 we're not we're, when we're tethered to something that's that's whipping us around and we're at the end of it and so we're getting like you know imagine a, a sheet in a windstorm right it's on the clothesline so it's tethered to something but it's just flapping everywhere this this kind of is this moment of grounding and it's like hey listen you didn't ask me to, you know, to figure out how smart I was. Do, do I know the theory of relativity? And can I list the, you know, capitals of all the major. That's the next show. Right. That's, that's the next show. I'll <laughs> I have to do a lot of practicing for that. One. Um, it, it's, it's just real stuff. And I can tell that your commitment is truly to helping people explore this. And it's very genuine. And that's, I think, the powerful part of it. I don't feel judged. I don't feel that you're asking because it's something that you want to gain from. It's just, it's a, it's a gift that you're sharing and giving to people. And it comes from a very genuine, very natural place. And I think that's part of the magic is that it's, it is real. I guess that's the, the part I, you know, back to one of the questions that you asked me, what do I value about, I guess my friends are the people in my life the most mm -hmm. and, and mm -hmm. that realness. Well, yeah. and to bring back what you keep saying too is curiosity is my hobby. So mm -hmm. I think that this fulfills that for me selfishly that uh, I get to, I just get to sit back and ask questions and learn about amazing people and their amazing stories and experiences. So it's fulfilling a need for me to stay connected to people yeah. during times like this, but yeah. it's also helping people connect to themselves. Um, and that, so anything we can do that, that's a gift for sure. And that's, that's, we, you know, we're wired for connection as human beings and we were never meant to do life alone. And COVID-19 as an example has been a really challenging and really isolating time for people. And, and it's, a, it's feeling lonely and alone. I mean, I can be alone and never feel lonely. I can be with people and feel lonely for human connection, but to be alone and feel lonely is not a place we want to be. And we don't want right. our fellow humans to be there either because nothing good comes from that unless it's a very resilient person that can use that situation to then really catapult themselves forward so i applaud you um for what you're doing and i'm grateful and and very thankful for the opportunity to become a little tiny piece of it because it's really it's a great reminder for me too and it's a good check-in for me around the things that I say are important to me so it gets me thinking too i'll share with you the question that my friend asked me Oh boy. Do you want to hear it? Yes, of course I want to hear it. Yes. So <laughs> I, 
had an, a, a very significant relationship in my life had ended and it was very sad for me because it was somebody that I really thought was going to be in my life for, for the rest of my life. And at the time I was 45. So that's another at least 45 years to go of full on adulthood. And um, it was just really sad. And, and I wasn't navigating that sadness well. I was getting stuck in it. And it was, you know, it was all part of processing it. But um, when it feels that yucky, you want to get out of it sooner than later. But emotions need time to just, they're, they're giving you information. They're telling you things, you know, listen, and you can figure it out. And then when you're ready, you, you can move on. And she asked me one simple question. She said, if you weren't so sad, what else could you be? And it just, it was just the right question at the right time. Right. Like it just, it just made me realize that, and it was the way she said it, if you weren't so sad, she wasn't saying don't be sad because that's ridiculous. Like we should never tell people to deny their feelings and, and sure, ignore sure. them. They're very, our emotions are data. They're telling us what's motivating our behavior and where they're coming from and, and you know, why we're responding the way we are. But it was just so interesting. If you weren't so sad, what else could you be? And it, it, it just allowed space for other things to come back in mm -hmm. and, and balance the sadness, like perspective, right? Yeah, I'm allowed to be sad. And I, and I was sad for probably a good year and a half, but not <gasps> sad all the time. Right? Like it, right. it was just that sense of a loss that would have been nice to not have lost, but uh, a sense of loss that would have been nice to not have lost. But um, I thought it was a very balanced and very also forward viewing question. So I, I think about that question a lot. It's been a good 10 years now and I've used it several times. If you weren't so whatever, mm -hmm. what mm -hmm. else could you be? So in addition to what else? Where, what, what is there room for it? Or one of the other questions I always ask is, so what else is possible? So that got me thinking and it still does get me thinking. <laughs> so and that go. just validates so much of where this work came from is that the right question asked at the right time can truly be transformative. Absolutely. And I think that, that that question hit you at a point in your life that, um, in a lot of ways, for some people, it, it, it sets you back. I mm. love asking questions where literally people stop and they look up and they're paused and their mouth is open a little bit. And I get asked all the time by people. So when you interview people, like, what are the tricks? What do you, what are your, you know, what do you, what's your advice for people who interview? And I typically will say it's two words, but I add two in the middle. It's shut up <laughs> and just let people talk because it'll come it'll the answers will come and I think that for a question like that for you it obviously has stayed with you it's something that you still think about um, those are the questions that I think that some people are afraid to ask themselves but when they face them it can it can change your life sure the moment somebody looks up the whatever they were currently thinking that thought has been broken so yeah you go from subconscious to conscious allow, yeah. yeah just to allow that pause is enough to have the possibility that something else can be different my response can be different now because i'm not on that loop anymore so mm -hmm. i think that's so just final comment back full circle i guess to the value of 
of taping these, you know, the verbal journaling and then having the written support is um, being able to kind of see where those moments are and what does it feel like? Is it, does it feel different to hear it and to read it? And what is feeling different and what exactly. is that telling? And then where's your opportunity? Yeah. Well, I have well, to say thank you for a delightful time, Greg. With oh two my G. God, I am so Actually, grateful. Greg with two G's, two at the end, one at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and it's pronounced Greg. It's not Gregiga, which I've heard sometimes. Gregiga. Uh, Greg Greg I'll have someone who'll say, "Is it pronounced Gregiga?" And I'll say, "Do you say Egiga?" Oh, that's a good one. There you go. That's my comeback to that one. So, <laughs> thank you so so much for today. Thank you. Thank and, you. Um, I have no doubt that uh, for those of you listening and tuning in, um, that this was beyond my expectations. So thank you for your time. I'm so grateful. I am absolutely grateful myself, and I am delighted to be here. Thank you for the opportunity. And keep, thank you. please keep doing this fabulous work because the world needs it. I will keep at it. Thank you. Stay safe over there in Dubai. Thank you. And you as well in Denver and Canada. Yes, yes, coming soon, coming soon. Okay. Thanks so yeah. much. Thank you for listening to Joyful Living, the podcast series. If you like the show and would like to learn more about me and Joyful Living, be sure to check out my website listed on the podcast description page or feel free to leave a review on your podcast distributor. Join me next week as we continue our discussions on living joyfully. Thank you for listening, and as always, choose joy.